Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome all you cool ghouls and friendly fiends to the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky, and with me as always are my two good buddies, Eddie Guevara and Chuck Caputo. Gentlemen, welcome. All right, thank welcome. you. Welcome. Wait a second, John. I'm beginning not to like that. I, I wanted the Maestro mail order, man. What happened? The Maestro of mail oh, order. Okay. The Maestro of mail and order mystery. Yeah. Oh my. Extra, God. extra. Read all about it. Eddie Guevara <laughs> is the Maestro of mail order mysteries. Extra, extra. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, guys. So welcome to the podcast and. um Hey Chuck, I did get your email about you. You watched West of Zanzibar, eh? Oh man, that was a great movie. I enjoyed it. Wow. I, I, I tell you what, that kept my attention the the whole way through. I it wasn't. I didn't even think I was watching a a silent movie. Oh my good, you know what? And that was what nineteen twenty eight, I think, right? Nineteen twenty eight. Yep. Wow. I mean, my dad was born in twenty one. He was only uh, uh, seven years old. I mean, that's hard to believe. I think the thing that caught my eye was was that there was a magician in there frozo uh frozo the magician and if and it's weird it was directed by todd browning and right. if, you, if, if you jump forward about three years he directed 31 or 32 anyway there was a frozo in there as well but he was not a, a magician he was like a clown like a circus clown so that is weird they used the same name and it's spelled the same too p-h-r-o-s-o frozo isn't oh, that strange wow. Yeah, yeah, you know what? That's one movie I haven't, I haven't got to watch yet. Freaks. There's a, a nice DVD set out there. Oh, I'm, I'm waiting to get it. Has some commentary and everything on oh. it. I want to kind of watch it that way and some behind. Oh, so get that DVD. I'm obsessed with that movie. I mean, I watch it maybe three times a year. I've actually built a magic trick around it. You know, with little, uh, little the automatons, the uh, uh, Schlitzy, uh, who is the circus performer, and. Yeah. Uh, uh, mini haha which was the cuckoo bird girl like i have actually built something with that but yeah that's an excellent movie it was banned in 60 countries when it came out yeah it was yeah, very but, upsetting. yeah but i tell you what i mean could you imagine west of zanzibar being played in theaters today i mean it oh. would be oh it, it would be banned outright it would it would never make it because no, you know be. i mean it, it's the product of its time but man was it it was a cool movie it had magic in it, it had oh. elements of of horror adventure and uh, i tell you what lon chaney uh, lon- was it lon chaney right lon chaney yeah. did an excellent job and lionel barrymore they did an excellent job and you know what to look up the cast of different movies if you look up the the main actress in there uh her name is mary Knoll. she and she had she had quite quite an extraordinary life i mean she died young 45 but man 45, she yeah. yeah she she really tried to bilk a lot of people out of money she tried to sue different people and stuff i mean if you read her uh story it's it's it, it's really something wow yeah yeah she, yeah she was good i tell you what another one i watched um after that was the unholy three from 1925 have you seen that one yet no i'm gonna write that down right now the unholy three okay, Unholy cool. three, 1925 because i did another one i think in 1930 yeah it was remade in 1930 as a talkie but um I tell you what, this is another good one directed by Todd Browning, and it caught my it, it kept my attention the whole way through. I mean, it was just it was phenomenal, and it was really cool because you know, and, and you'll still have West of Zanzibar fresh. So the how the ending of like the redemption of uh, Fozo mm-hmm. in the West of Zanzibar is kind of like uh, you have a redemption in this mm-hmm. movie as well. It, it's kind of like the same premise, but it is it's really good and it's it has like that kind of um like uh uh what would you call it? almost like a freak show setting where you have a uh like a real strong man you have like a a guy that's a dwarf you have the bearded lady all this other you know oh cool wow character. i'll definitely i'll definitely check that out man you yeah. know what i taught from my understanding from freaks when he made that in 32 or 33 that pretty much ended his career i mean i think he was done people didn't didn't care for freaks like i said it was banned a lot and they they just turned turned him down flatly i think it was banned in like i said 60 countries and i think the united states even the uk just in recent years i think you were you were finally able to view it i don't know 
Cardinals, but it wasn't all that long ago, maybe 20 years ago or something like that. Yeah, I know it was it was banned in a, in a lot of places, and yeah, it's one of those ones I I, I really want to get to and and check it out. But I, I tell you what, I'm happy I, I watched these last two, West of Zanzibar and Unholy Three, and I think this weekend I'm going to watch the 1930 version to see yeah. um, what that's about because uh, what's it called? Lon Chaney plays in that one too, so I want to see kind of like the differences in it but yeah unholy three it's great it's a little bit longer than west of zanzibar but it is a it's a phenomenal phenomenal movie i mean he plays great characters you know all the way through oh man he, is it true when lon cheney played what he was the uh he was the uh phantom of the opera right uh is it, yeah. is it is it true that he didn't really wear any makeup that he could like distort his face naturally or something i read or is that like an urban legend i know we're going to talk about some urban legends later on is that an urban legend or something that That's he an could urban distort? legend man yeah okay. he did yeah he did all the makeup and all that it was actually a very if you read about it, a very painful process of how he did like the um the mouth where he had like fish hooks and you know fish wire in it oh really the back of his head to to make it look in, in the same thing. I think it was either on his mouth or his nose. I can't remember, oh. but it was it was really painful what he went through on it. There, there, There's some photographs on the internet. You can see that he's holding his, uh, which I think went for sale for almost a million dollars in Sotheby's, the original. Uh, he had like a briefcase, not a briefcase. It was kind of like a, it looks like a t- old tool case. Like a tackle box, like a fishing. Yeah, yeah right, a fishing tackle <laughs> box. And he has all the... Uh, makeup there and he was able to do that all himself that's why he had the nickname the man of a thousand faces now i haven't gotten to see the movie in fact when chuck told me about it two days ago i was gonna watch it i probably considered doing that tonight um but i'm gonna tell you guys when it comes to gun cheney though with the way just i think the way he did the phantom of the opera when the light hits him like that his mask gets torn off Oh my gosh! I know that Joe told me when he was little he saw that and didn't sleep for five days. Oh yeah, no, that, that was last week when I told you that. <laughs> oh, last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was that was a face on him, boy. He did a good job. Oh my goodness, yeah. that was wow. a face only a mother could love. Yeah, that, that and that and that might be pushing it. I don't know, but that was a face. <laughs> yeah. So hey, Chuck, what's been new with uh with your magic stuff? How's all that's that going? Any shows coming up? Yeah, yeah. Keeping keeping fairly busy. Uh, some of the some of the assisted living places that I perform at, they're kind of requesting that I wear a mask or I stand behind some type of a plexiglass wall, they're saying now. So, <laughs> so I mean, so if I have to choose when I'm performing, I'm going to do the wall because I don't like to, I mean, man, when you're wearing a mask when you're talking and everything, it kind of muffles your voice. Right. People, people can't hear you. I mean, I, I do wear it. Well, hey, so. it, you know, think about it, Chuck. It's assisted living. So at the end of the show is the one lady will say to you, Hey, what did he say? Yeah. That's a good speech. No, it's a magic show, you bubblehead. Yeah, they got enough problems understanding me already, you know what I mean, And uh, with, a, with a mask on yet. And I sweat a lot. Those things, for some reason, man, when I wear a mask, when I'm talking, it's like, phew, especially when you're doing a magic show. That's just, that's kind of rough. But yeah, and I've been filming the uh, teaching series. We're up to finish two great episodes today, man. I had the Blue Room Effect, which is the Pepper's Ghost Illusion. I had that packed away. And I carried this thing Wait. out last night, and I put it up uh, up in front of my fireplace, and we filmed that today. That we're on episode uh, volume. Uh, we finished twenty one and twenty two, so yeah. so we got three more to go, and I am done. And then Eddie can Chuck it to wherever he wants. Chuck, you know what your blue room photograph made me remind reminded me of? What's that? You ever seen the what do you call it? SpongeBob SquarePants when the under the ocean is a giant clam? You know the mouth is open of the clam. Oh yeah. I, that's exactly. That <laughs> it looks like a I don't know why, but um, yeah. Well, the thing is, check this out, Joe. Uh, Chuck told me earlier yesterday when I told him, you know, let's film the twenty-five lessons, whatever. He actually did it in one day, old twenty-four. Yeah, it, yeah that, that would eat that or sleep, funny. right? <laughs> I tell you what, they're they're pretty pretty strenuous. I mean, I have to make thing set up properly, and uh, you know, and uh, so uh, thankfully, I've I've many many books on magic and everything so i took a lot of notes and you know what so I, so i got i got a pretty good uh, repertoire you know of every type of magic that you know that's pretty much imaginable so i think it's going to be an excellent series i mean this is for like anybody that wants to get into magic even if you're a professional there's there's some things in there that i guarantee that you that you haven't seen before so it's a really really you cool know, 
when you're talking about magic, I came across something today very interesting in one of my uh, in my closet. I uh, didn't even realize I had it. Uh, it's a book from Houdini. It's actually uh, it's called Houdini Escapes by Walter Gibson. Oh, I'm, I'm familiar with that. Yep. And it's copyrighted 1930. So it's it's a it's a first printing of the book. Um, it's in really good condition. That's that's a good book. That's an excellent book. I tell you what, I've always admired escape artists. That's one branch of magic that I never got into. I think I told you, Eddie, when I was a teenager, I was playing with a little bit. I handcuffed myself behind my my arms behind my back, and I and I I put the key behind my ear. The first thing you have to do is bring your bring your legs up through your arms so you can bring everything to the front so you can see what you're doing. So when I was slipping my arms past my rear end, I slipped, I fell, and I landed on them, and they were ratchet cuffs, cuffs, and they got real tight, and I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. So I hobbled down the steps, and my parents are watching TV, and I said, "Behind my ear, behind my ear, there's there's a key." And my dad said, "What are you talking?" I said, "I can't get out of these handcuffs." Oh, so he opened up. He was making fun of me for years after that. <laughs> yeah, so that was my first and last episode with escapes, you know. So I kind of admire, you know, what escape artists. I mean, I'm actually friends with a lot of them, and. They, they go through a demanding uh, regimen. So you, you should have talked to Joe first because uh, Joe did an escape artist job too when he hid behind the TV, I mean, behind the sofa. <laughs> and uh, he hid from his mom to catch Santa Claus. <laughs> Unfortunately, the dad was going to move the sofa and he said, why is the sofa so far from the wall? You think we should push it back? <laughs> the mom said, nah, it's late. We'll do it tomorrow. You don't want to scare the neighborhood, you know. Okay, we'll do it, you know. Yeah. That was a game of hide and seek. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was I like that story. That was pretty if parents didn't push that couch back. You might have been hurt, you and your Yeah, sister. really. <laughs> it would have been smashed behind there. The father and mother would have jumped in there. Oh my god, what was that? We just heard or killed. <laughs> All you hear is yeah. oh yeah. So all right, Eddie, what's what's new over at House of the Unusual? What do you got going on? Well, uh, I'll tell you what, it was kind of funny. I was talking to Mr. Jim earlier and we were talking about, you know, what the topic was going to be on for tonight. And I said, Mr. Jimbo, I think we're going to talk about Bigfoot and stuff. He goes, what about horror movies? He really enjoyed the show when we did the five movies and stuff like that. And I said, well, what time? He said, well, what about submarine? I said, what do you mean submarine horror movies? There's no submarine <laughs> horror movies. And they said, the atomic sub, it's got the uh, UFO under the ocean. And I say, yeah, we'll probably do something like that and then morph into Bigfoot, like we're supposed to talk about tonight, uh, Bigfoot and Urban Legends, which basically the idea is, and and I know that I, I just wanted to ask, because the only expert in this field happens to be Mr. Joe Pavlansky. Um, Mr. Joe, you know, if we start, just a quick question about all this stuff. Do you think the Yeti, Bigfoot, and... The um, there's another name for Bigfoot. I mean Sasquatch, uh, but not only Sasquatch. There was another name I think uh, for Bigfoot. There are they all? Oh yeah, the abominable snowman. Are they, are they all the same beast? Well, that's almost like saying is every. I, I think it's almost like saying is every human the same? You know, oh, beast. That was kind have, of, oh man, that definitely didn't answer my question. You, you, have, it, different, it, you have different well, humans though. Uh, Mr. Chuck is going to have an invitation for me and you. Uh, Chuck, tell us more about it. What about Bigfoot? I'm not an authority. No, the invitation where you said about the UFO that landed. In oh, yeah, yeah. Coming up every July out here just, um, I'd say, uh, I guess that would be east of Pittsburgh. It's it's in a place called Kecksburg, which I'm sure that you're familiar with, uh, Joe. There was a... Oh, yeah. Uh, there was an acorn-shaped landing in 1965, I believe. And th they have a big festival out there. We went there, Sherry and I, pre-COVID. I guess that was maybe two or three summers ago, probably three summers ago. I tell you what, it was really cool. And uh, Unsolved Mysteries did a 20 years ago with Robert Stack, and they built a, a large, uh, like a fiber acorn craft, you know, for, for the series. And when they were done, they actually, you could stand out there and get your pictures taken and stuff. And it's really cool. It's a nice festival. I mean, they sell a lot of wares inside the fire hall. They got parades. They have, you know, uh, vendors. Uh, Stan Gordon is there, which he's a leading authority on, like, all things paranormal. 
I'm sure you know who he is, Gordon. Uh, oh, so. yeah, I've, I've seen a few of his lectures at uh, Monster Bash, and I had a, I had some of his books, mm-hmm. but I, I've lent them out over the years, and some people have never returned them, but I <laughs> returned mine, Joe. Come on. You don't return nothing. <laughs> well, look, if you guys if you guys have a chance to come out, maybe mark that on your schedule. I can actually meet you guys out there. It's in Kecksburg. I believe the day we go on, it's the whole weekend, but July 30th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, keep me updated. I, I might. I'd like to head out there, and I want to really check out that that place. Oh, I know. Wait, getting... wait, wait a second. Okay, okay. How far away is that from you, Joe? Kecksburg. Um, I don't I, think I, it's too far. I, I, I'd have to let me check my my. Map. That, let, it might be an hour or so. Oh, is that all it is for you? Oh, that's great. Yeah, because it's about forty-five minutes from me. You know what? Wow. Set, set your GPS because I don't know how the aliens found that place because. It's like near impossible to find. If you don't set a GPS, you will never find it. Yeah, never. I'm an hour and 44 minutes there. Okay. Well, I, a... I'm, a, I'm like five hours and five, 45 minutes. Huh? <laughs> nice, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> nice, Chuck. <laughs> well, uh, the best day to go on is a Saturday during that week because it's they got more things going on. So that's that falls on July 30th, I believe. So if you guys want to go, man, let me know. I can meet you out there. All right. Yeah, I well, will, if you promise me, no Bigfoots are out there. Because if I go <laughs> there and get lost in the wilderness in the middle of the night, who knows what's bound to happen to little old me out there. But that's a very interesting story about Kecksburg. I mean, I'm actually friends with a state trooper out there. He passed away, uh, I guess, about six or seven years ago. But he did children's safety shows, you know, like at schools and everything. And so, you know, so I had asked him about it. He was on the desk duty that night. And so he was he was he was very familiar with it and everything. And uh, and if you if you if you talk to different people who were eyewitness, uh, you know, who actually seen it. I mean, there was there was military down there almost immediately. beds, And they took this. The, you know this this craft whatever it was it was shaped like an acorn yeah it's almost the, like they they knew where it was landing or they were following it you know yeah and they and wow. they threw a tarp and they threw a tarp over it and they said oh that was nothing don't worry and they <laughs> and they just took off and that was the end of the story you know but there was something taken you know definitely from there so all right chuck i mean chuck uh, joe didn't you say you were one of those investigators what's the story behind it well that that's pretty much it i i i've read a little bit about Kecksburg, but not too much. I most of it. What I know is when I listen to to Stan Gordon's, um, you know, his lectures, and I actually asked him the one time if he thought it had any connection uh, to the the Glocka, the Nazi bell. Exactly. And he said that he believed, you know, because it kind of resembled it in the way that it kind of that. Absolutely. You know, the way that it traveled, that it could possibly be something like that. But, you know, oh, of course, he's he's yeah. unsure about it. But that's what I always thought it was. Because if you look at, like, the Nazi bell on how yeah. they say it disappeared, you know. Joe. And then how, and then how this thing kind of mm-hmm. just appeared out of almost nowhere. Oh, but, yeah. 20, uh, what, about 20 years later, right? It just appeared out of nowhere. And it looked identical. Uh, well, yeah, I got I, here with Kecksburg. I got to tell you guys something here, Okay which I'm kind of surprised here from an investigator of UFOs that, you know, couldn't give us any more information. Uh, Joe, it's okay. They're not going to get you for it. Um, <laughs> you can tell the truth, Joe. Do you have aliens in your house, Joe? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Joe, well, the thing Kecksburg was 65. So yeah, check that would have been about 20 years. About, about 20 years later. Yeah. Cause what I think that, the Glocka was what about 43, 44. So yeah. Roughly yeah. yeah. And, and they actually have the remnants of the, of the bell, which is the, 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 uh, the Glocka in uh, Poland, the actual cement foundation is. And, yeah. uh, and there were some strange things. People said there was a, there was an acorn shaped, shaped craft that was chained. It was like a, it was almost like a tether and there was spinning mercury in its uh, centrifuge, you know. So somehow the Germans, I mean, like, they were way ahead on technology, man. They were experimenting with time travel. You know what? Einstein proved that time travel is possible. You, you know what? I kind of I kind of keep an open mind with this. If you go back to the Rendlesham Forst uh, uh, thing that happened in 1980, uh, Jim uh, Penniston, Colonel Jim Penniston, was one of the first people there, and he actually touched the craft. Yeah, I got to I got to meet him too, and yeah, yeah, and so what? I so what did he say that he he telepathically got an image, you know, uh, supposedly. Uh, uh, so what they told him, you know, like the people on the craft supposedly told him was that what you're looking at is you in the future, 
Uh, so that's a prevailing uh, theory. You, you know what? That these aren't actually beings that elsewhere. Like we're looking at ourselves in the future. You know what? Like maybe they went through some type of, you know, like an atomic blast or something, and and they're different or something or what have you. You know, I mean, hey, I'm open. I'm a, you know, what I'm open minded. You know, I mean, oh yeah, like I, I'll know. I'll entertain a theory until you could prove it wrong exactly. or you could you know prove it right. But yeah, there's a lot of theories that it's it's from the future. But and I know that he got a um. He got like a download of like ones and zeros, and the exactly he got the binary, like just scribble was ones and zeros, right? Yeah, one, 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 and zero. And years later, he had a computer guy put it through the binary system, and it came out that we are travelers. We're searching for whatever I can't remember. You'd have to find the exact words online, but that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was interesting. I I got his book too, and I've I've read through the book. Well, this was years ago, right when it first came out, and I I thought it was really interesting. You know his absolutely. His thing. And he even had at the the conference a um kind of like a little model of what the the craft looked like, and it was like almost like a like a three dimensional black triangle type you mm-hmm. know shape. It was really interesting, almost like a pyramid. Almost like a pyramid. Yeah. Wait type, a second, whoa, thing. whoa, Joe. Wait a second. Isn't that the one that they say that they have the Aurora that's supposed to be triangular? No, the, the Aurora the Aurora flat. This was more of like a almost like a pyramid shape, but it had round uh round corners. It was almost like black plexiglass, wasn't it? Shiny yeah. Like black. yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was real real weird. The tier the Aurora TR three B, that's that's flat, and that's then flat. on the under on the underside of it on the the corners it has um like orange lights usually right you seen one yeah i i actually seen two of them which they were i i don't i still don't know how there was no more reports on it because they were probably 500 feet over a hotel when i seen i was driving and there was two of them and i was like what the heck and it was you know the flat black with um um like a dull orangish light by each uh triangle by the time i was able to turn around because there was a barrier on um on the uh interstate you mm-hmm. know they were gone but i think that they were it was real close to um Vienna airport and mm-hmm. i had heard over the years that there's like a secret hangar there so i don't know if they went to the hangar or i've also heard that the tr3b and you know any future you know models of that they have like capabilities of almost like stealth where they could pull light from the other side to make them you know appear invisible so that could have been it too but yeah they was it was really cool to it was cool to see it it kind of reminded me of like a stealth bomber almost but wow well tell you what now that you brought that up i got i got two topics about that okay Uh one is they invented an invisible cloak which is kind of like a cloak it does the same thing i think as like harry potter or you put on and you become and the way it does it reflects light from behind Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, you can actually see the actual cloak online in YouTube uh, videos. It looks like it's in, the person within the thing is invisible because all they're doing is diffracting the light right. from behind. Yeah. And they also experimented, I think about several years ago, they actually were able to do like teleport just like they do in um, Star Trek where the people tell they were actually able to do that, but with an actual light beam. So they were able to teleport the light beam from one side to another. So that's not science fiction no more. They actually did that a while back. Now, sure. In nineteen seven, I mean nineteen eighty two, eighty three. I remember reading in a Popular Science magazine, or better yet, there was a commercial for people to subscribe to Popular Science online, and it would show a picture of the stealth bomber. I think it was or the the mm-hmm. other, and it said, "The stealth bomber. Does it exist or not? Or is it whatever?" <laughs> Twenty years later, yeah. Later. I remember the article in the newspaper that the United States had had the stealth bomber or stuff for over 20 years and they were experimenting with it and people were confusing it for UFOs for years. For sure. So, that they have it. so the Aurora model thing, I wouldn't be surprised they've had that for some time now. Yeah. Um, but I just got to ask Joe, Joe, uh, you didn't have any of that wine I sent you before you saw it, did you? <laughs> I never drink wine. <laughs> okay, oh, okay. Just want to make sure. So he sticks we, to we... the hard stuff, whiskey, right? Yeah. Oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> then he probably saw the the, the bell shaped one. Too. Yeah. yeah, I drink. You know what? I I drink the wine. I'm Italian, so that's uh, that goes... <laughs> hey, there. You go. Hey, Chuck. You know, you were talking about Stan Gordon. I read um, 
a few years ago in one of his books he had because you know he compiled uh, a lot of um, and now these were all from just Pennsylvania, but he compiled a lot of the stories from Pennsylvania, and he was um, he was real close with a lot of the police departments and state patrols. So whenever yeah. they had a case, they you know kind of forwarded it to him. So th- there was one that really stuck out where a witness had seen this kind of saucer shaped UFO land in a, uh, like a farmer's field that was surrounded by, you know, like, um, what was it like a, like the chicken wire type stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said it was, you know, it was real bright. It was at night. It was real bright and he's watching it. And this, you know, gray alien comes out. Another one comes out and they're standing by the, the bottom. And then he hears something over to the side and here comes two, you know, Bigfoot type creatures. They Who's walk over the fence to the uh, the spacecraft. They disappear in the light, and then the two grays go into the the craft, and then it takes off. Isn't I always something? thought that was a really interesting because yeah. um, you know a lot of people say, "Well, are these Bigfoots?" You know, no, 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 no. They were Gordon Slay, Robots from it, or you know, is it Eddie Guevara running around? No, no, no. <laughs> they were Gordon. They were two Gort robots. I saw them. <laughs> They're not Bigfoot. They were caught from the day the Earth stood still. They came back to test us out. Oh, Yo, man. you know that in my area, there's a park like in New York City, like they have Central Park in the middle of the city. There's a park called Hudson uh, Braddock Park or Hudson County Park. And it's a huge central light park in, in my vicinity. And in 1984, 83, 84, they claimed that a UFO landed there in the middle of the night. So... um I think I'm not sure if it's 83 or it might have been 82, but uh, that's a big claim. And a lot of people said they saw it land. And, and it's funny the way, you know, you would think with all the huge city that we live in, somebody lands there is going to be seen. But I mean, there's always those stories. And New Jersey has a couple of areas. In fact, New Jersey, I think, has one that they call it the other Roswell. I forgot what the, where exactly it is. And they also have one, I think, uh, uh, not in the Roswell region, but like 50 miles north of Roswell, there was another uh, supposed light. Um, they called the second Roswell. Right. I think I do um, remember hearing something about it. I forget that. those. But one thing I'm going to tell you, it's funny when you're saying about seeing, look, I love to bother my son. And, ooh, does he get angry? And so does my my wife one day claims to have seen. Uh, she's standing on the boulevard by my house. And she's looking over an old building like it was a Toys R Us. And she saw, she saw like a big giant bird that it was huge and it started flying like a, not a pterodactyl, but she said it was like a big giant blackbird mm-hmm. and it turned into a ball and it disappeared. Right. So when she told me that, of course, I'm going to laugh and stuff. And she goes, you know, you never believe. And I'm like, no, it's not, that, but it's just the way, you know, she told me. So one day we're heading up to Boston. I think I, I said this in one of the episodes and my son and his friend are driving and I'm in the backseat, you know, I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to pass out. It's a five hour drive, whatever. As I, the moment I actually closed my eyes, they got lost and they were actually driving through the old uh, road going up to Boston in Massachusetts. And not Massachusetts, I think it was in Connecticut or the beginning of Massachusetts, whichever. And they t- claimed to have seen what looked like a pterodactyl fly across <laughs> the road. And there was a bunch of cars that actually saw it. Now, wow. I know that he saw a book and it says pterodactyl sightings, which it was so funny because he worked in Barnes & Noble at the time. And he bought the book to prove to me that, and I, you know, and I go, what are you talking about? He goes, are you kidding me? You fell, I fell asleep right at that moment. Yeah. And I, I hear yeah. them screaming like, oh, oh, look. Unbelievable. And then when they, I said, why didn't you take a picture with the iPhone? You guys both have phones. And they're like, we saw it, Eddie. We saw, and you know, it was kind of funny because I'm laughing. And he gets mad because he goes, what a coincidence. I was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, that's that's the story, and, and you know what it is. Who the heck knows? Maybe I've seen. Um, in fact, by my house, and I live in the city here. I went to park my car underneath a tree a couple of months ago, and I noticed there's two vultures. Like these things are like three feet tall, standing Holy on top Lord. of the tree. Wow! And I'm like, where the heck did those animals come from? Ooh. And they're actually there, and they're like a block away from my house. Wow! And I don't like to park there, man, because if you talk about bird poop. <laughs> oh yeah, a, that's a vomit. Yeah, and, and <laughs> man, ooh, but they're wow. huge. They're like, uh, they they look like the ones you would see in the haunted house, you know. Oh yeah, that but could the, be kind of that could be kind of dangerous, maybe for small pets or something, you know. Yeah, well, they they're there and they have like the long neck, and then uh, you know, it looks like the 
the one from Bugs Bunny, the yeah. vulture. Yeah. They are ugly like that, man. Yeah, they're pretty, pretty ugly creatures. Yeah. Some of those sightings, though, that that's what amazes me. I mean, people have seen, you know, these UFO crafts that they're as they're as big as like three football fields. I mean, wow. I mean, they're some of them are gigantic. I mean, yeah, it's almost like flying fortresses or something. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Like the Phoenix Lights and everything it was it was gigantic. I mean, you know. And the other thing that always amazed me is when Project Blue Book came out, J. Ellen Hynek was the lead investigator, and he came in as a skeptic, and he left as a believer. So that kind of says something right there, you know. Yeah, that I tell you what, I I got a chance um, several years ago at a at a conference. There was a um, one of our state when I was still with MUFON, one of our state our state director who lived down in Cincinnati. He acquired some um, um, some well several boxes of papers that were around the project blue book area mm-hmm. and most of them came from um right patterson he had put like something out on all these craigslist like looking for old ufo documents and some lady you know some elderly lady got a hold of him and said yeah you know my my husband was in the military this is all his stuff you know he passed away so oh, cool. I, I got to look at all these documents and they pretty much, you know, say in there, yeah, we don't know what it is, but just tell them it, it's swamp gas or something that's like that. What, that's exactly what they what? always say. Oh, that's yeah. swamp gas. Yeah. Why so do he, you why how come I, I never come across this stuff? Why only you? Yeah. So he so this guy, he had tons of boxes of it and had all the stuff there and he was compiling it. And he was actually on um Coast to Coast AM about a year after that, once he had everything, you know, organized and he kind and you know, he went over what he found on there. And I think he was in the process of putting it all into a book to make it available for everyone. But there was just tons mm-hmm. of stuff, you know, photographs. There was, um, you know, all these letters and everything and this mail correspondence and basically them saying, yeah, we don't know what it is, but yeah, just tell them it, it was a, yeah. a bird or something. Or yeah, they, all, they always go back to the swamp. Hey, uh, 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 did you ever read uh, Philip Corso's uh, The Day After Roswell? Did you ever read that book? I no, I, I've heard of it, but no, I've never read wow. it. Wow, read that book. I mean, uh, I mean, this guy was high up into the research and development. You know what? And he he actually cataloged all this stuff, and you know, and uh, he saw some crazy stuff. Exactly like like you said, most of the things were always taken, you know, at the Wright Patterson uh, uh, base out there, and it was at Dayton, Ohio, I believe. And uh, and so Philip Corso actually talked about all that. You know, it's amazing. You know, yeah, guys, yeah, that's where everything went was Wright Patterson. I have Joe up. Now, when you say that, uh, Joe, I don't know if you have it, but you you remember the books they did in a, a few years ago, like in 1990 or something, or 2000, that the United States Air Force put out the truth about Roswell, which is like a, it's like a 500 page book, and then there was another one after that, yeah, explaining that. Do you have those books? No, I, I would never buy anything from the military. I don't trust anything that they put out. It's probably all lies. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's a good point. That's a good, it, you know, point. but the thing is they're, they're pretty nice, but the day after Roswell, the one you're talking about, Chuck, I have about 41 books about UFOs. So even though I haven't really read a lot of them, but I'm one of the ones that always bought them because I was always intrigued by that stuff. Yeah. Now, when you're talking about this, Joe, and, and you were with MUFON and all that stuff, and you came across all the different, um, you know, some whack jobs, some real stories, um, did you ever see anything other than those boxes of papers you just mentioned? What do you mean? It's like, did anybody show you any rare, you know, I have this, this is from this or no, that was the only one that, like I said, I was at a, at a, a conference and the guy, he had them out on a table for people to look through. They were in oh. and stuff and boxes. And oh. I mean, you couldn't, you, there was just so much stuff that you could just kind of really, through it and you should have you should have done i know this person that goes to chiller a lot and he you know he's a big guy he loves to buy things he's the type of guy that usually goes to flea markets at five in the morning and before people start putting out things in the table he goes around buying stuff and it was kind of funny he goes to i think Shoprite, which is a supermarket in my area and he had bought an item uh universal monster something was i forgot what it was and they told him, no, that item is discontinued. We must take it back. We can't sell it to you. And you ever seen a person like uh, shoplift and out the door in two seconds? Uh, <laughs> I mean, he went to the courtesy desk. And when they told him that, 
that she went to get the medic, and the guy was out the door shooting. Like, you're not smoke. taking this away from me. I bought it. Uh, and um, so you may, you should have done that with the stuff where, where they say, well, look, and you, all you hear is wheels screeching. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's got all the documents with him, you know? I wouldn't know what to do with it. There was tons of stuff. He did a real nice – um. He had a real nice presentation on Coast to Coast. I think he was on there for two hours speaking mm-hmm. about it. And it Try was to find it. I very like interesting. It. I can't remember. It, gosh, that was probably four or five years ago that he was on there. And um, well, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if anything ever came you know, about if he ended up putting it in book form. I know it's not online anywhere that he did it. So I, I don't know. I hope he's not, you know, just – doing nothing with it <laughs> you know get yeah, kind of you know, yeah you gotta you gotta you know thank god for people like that that come out because people have a right to know what's going on i mean you, you know as far as roswell goes you know it was just it was just gone for years and it was it was just there was no mention of it until stanton friedman came out and he's the one that that brought that into light i think yeah, like well, he, he met with 19. the original stan yeah. Friedman met with the original guy barcel i think it was yeah, Jesse Marcel. Yeah, that's Jesse correct. Marcel. Yep, yep. You know what? So you, you know, we would have never really known about Roswell if it wasn't for Stanton Freeman. I think he did. He came, he brought that out in 1979. Yeah, and I, I think there's been a lot of disinformation that's been associated with with Roswell as well. And I think most of it, not only is it like disinformation, but people have because it's kind of like a tourist trap now a tourist attraction it is you know so i, I they got the little alien yeah, uh, but yeah. you said the right thing tourist trap yeah i think that's kind of what it's it's turned out to so you never know what's joe you know what what's true or not and a lot of these investigators that are investigating it over the years are making you know tons of money off of it so you know are they still telling the truth or are they embellishing stuff to there make more well my question is this, Joe. Do you have the phone number of that guy that has all those papers? No, I used to have his his email. Do you, tr- why don't you try to find it? That'll be something interesting for the House of the Unusual. Hey, bring him on the podcast. We'll say the investigator of the past, Joe Pavlansky, <laughs> alias Mufon investigator. Yeah, right. we, we could talk about, about him later, about trying to get a hold of him. But yeah, I, I kind of always wondered what he did with with all that stuff. He probably oh, hasn't yeah. done nothing, Joe, like everybody else, like me. Yeah. I have a, yeah. a collection of stuff and I go, ooh, I have that. <laughs> you know what I like the best? When I go out and buy something, I go desperately searching for it and then one day I'm looking at my stuff and I got two copies of the thing. <laughs> I love that. Ooh, I love it. But and you know, I- speaking, of, speaking of Bigfoot, you know, going back to it, I I was, I I read a, a funny kind of um, article the other day on, on Bigfoot and one of the guys said, you know, all these people are going out and they're doing the mating call for for <laughs> Bigfoot and all that. And they said, what are they going to do if some Bigfoot starts running after them, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're hang, hanging out and, you know, running towards them because he's following the mating call? Then what are you going to do? <laughs> well, you're in big trouble. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, uh, but, but you know what? I'm out here in Pittsburgh, guys, and we have a few urban legends here. One is done by there's there's still a steel mill here, believe it or not. Pittsburgh was you know famous for their steel mills, obviously, and probably about ninety five percent of them closed. There's still one here, believe it or not. It's the for Edgar Thompson. It's in Braddock, Pennsylvania, which isn't far from me. I actually grew up in a little town called North Braddock. Kid, when when uh, when we'd drive through a certain part near the mill, there was a little tunnel. It was called the Duker's Hollow Tunnel, and supposedly there was a worker in that mill that somehow got his head cut off. I don't know. It was some type of, some type of an accident. And supposedly his, his spirit roamed that little tunnel. Okay. So like when my dad would drive through there, when I was a little kid, you know, like some home from somewhere, I remember I would say, Oh no, that's the headless man's tunnel. I would jump in the back seat. <laughs> yeah. So I'd cover my eyes until we went through that little tunnel. Oh, it was funny. I thought you were going to say there was a Bigfoot in the tunnel, Josh. <laughs> no, this no. Was- there were supposedly a headless man walking around, but that scared the crap out of me. No, so that's- what you should do is stick a note somewhere in there. Don't let no one see you. Engrave it like in a wooden thing and put here in this tunnel beyond the light, the darkness. Bigfoot chopped the head of some worker. <laughs> Bigfoot chopped the head. You know, and then if you put that somehow, they'll be scared. You know. <laughs> yeah, or a headless man was here. You know, <laughs> headless man. 
It's not the guy from uh, the Ichabod Crane, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that guy up there. Let me tell you, every time I go to Boston, I pass through Sleepy Hollow. And I thought it was just like, a, you know, it's a beautiful area, whatever. I always wanted to get out on the exit and go there. And then when I found out that in Halloween, they have all these parades. I'm going this coming October, man. Oh, that would be cool. Uh, yeah, it is fast. Cool. I mean, they have a lot yeah. of things going on, haunted houses. And the chances is they're actually going to take your thing to, to the area where they, the the bridge and the stuff, the Hellas Horseman um, started the legend there, whatever. That would be cool. I'd love to see that. Wow, that'd be neat. And, and Joe, uh, there's something you should consider too, man. If I go five and a half hours, I think you guys can come five hours my way. Yeah, maybe that would be neat. I mean. How about the Lizzie board? I live at the hour 44. So it gets me right to Kecksburg. Hey, how about <laughs> breakfast? That would be that would be born. What the heck is that? That's up in uh Fall Rivers, Massachusetts, I believe. And uh, is it? Yeah. And hey. uh yeah, but that's that's booked. That bed and breakfast, especially Lizzie's room, is booked like I don't know, maybe three or four years in advance. You know, oh, what wow. yeah, we, no. we actually we, we actually contacted them. That would be that would be cool to actually spend the night in a Lizzie. No, you, you want to hear something crazy when you're saying that, to be honest with you? there I, I don't think it would be that. But when you're going to Massachusetts and you're driving up 684, there's an old bookstore. And I'm talking about old with the, the books in there look like from the time of Houdini. <laughs> and you eat breakfast and you're allowed to go into the bookstore and pick up a free book. Ooh, that would be cool. They give I went there uh, 20 years ago. I stopped by there and I every time I say I'm gonna stop and I, I don't. But it's a, I wonder if that's the one you're talking. I mean, I don't think it'll be Lizzie Borden's thing. It wouldn't be, but um it's really great because you go in there and they have like books, they're all free, and they're usually those books uh, that you know that they're like from the nineteen hundreds, you know. Yeah, that would be that would be cool. Now you know what. We're supposed to, my wife and I, God willing, are supposed to go to Key West this uh, this summer for a few days. And so I want to go to that that East East Marchatello Museum, I think it's those lines. But this is where there's a doll. It's called Robert the Doll. So if you want to see something pretty freaky, the doll. Some guy owned this doll back in 1912, 1916. And supposedly, you know, People saw this doll would run from room to room, peek out the window when no one was home and stuff. So this doll is still on display there. It's like, like I said, it's over a hundred years old. It's pretty cool. So I'd like to, I'd like to stop and see that. I'd like to see the, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, Heming. Well, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, but what happened? How come the doll has to move from display place and display? You know, I don't know. They got him in a plexiglass container. Maybe that zaps his zaps his you, energy. <laughs> you, know, you know what you got to do? Go in there. Don't let no one see you. Tie an invisible control line to it. And then ask the museum curator. Say, "Where's the doll?" And then when you come, you pull it up, and the museum curator <laughs> will probably leave the premises, and you'll be there. And you can take the doll. That would be hilarious. You'll oh. never know. <laughs> Joe, do you hey. have a miniature doll over here in your room? Joe, come on, tell us the truth. Doll, dolls are freaky, man. I, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Do you ever remember like those ones from like the forties and fifties where they were kind of, you know, maybe about three foot and they were like almost like lifelike and. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, those are like weird. I remember my my grandmother used to have those in her her room that were my mom's from you know back in the fifties. Oh, what are terrible weird, looking, man? You know what? I'm gonna send you one, Joe. My my wife used to collect dolls and put them in the sofa and stuff. And I got a bunch of those expensive hundred and some dollar dolls that look real, and they're bothering me, man. They're in my storage. You're bothering bother me, bro. Yeah, you you could keep them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want them. Them. You can put it in your living room. Look at it each night when you watch those <laughs> silent films. Yeah, you keep, yeah they're, they're more. I could just stare at those things for a while, and they're more creepy. You don't know if they're yeah. going to jump to life or what, man. No, you're right. Dolls are creepy. You know, like even even when I pull the ventriloquist uh, figure out, you know, certain people like, oh, I can't stand those things. Well, that's how you do the House of the Unusual, man, you know? <laughs> I saw my ventriloquist doll inside a trunk. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you see it like that. What was that? There was a Twilight Zone where the, um, that was, that the ventriloquist cool. doll comes to life. Wasn't yeah. that the one with uh, Willie Money in it? No, no, no. It wasn't ventriloquist. Well, Billy Money, if you, were, if you made him angry, he turned you into a, a jack-in-the-box, I think it was. Oh, yeah. sure. That was, yeah, that was was on maybe oh no that was one of the uh yeah the monster uh where he would he would say you're a bad bad and then they throw you in the cornfield yeah that was cool 
No, the the one I'm talking about is they say you yeah, but you you would turn into a jack in the box. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember that one. The one I'm talking about was it was um episode ninety eight called the dummy, and it was about the uh the ventriloquist. It's real freaky, man. I just I, I they I mean they they've really copied that over the years. I think um oh what the heck was it? Tales from the Crypt. I think did something along the lines of that one, but it was really. Yeah, it was a creepy look. Yeah. yeah. If you ever get into ventriloquism, what you got to do is just remember this. If you ever sit the doll in your legs and before you put the arm inside the doll, it starts talking to you, you leave. <laughs> That's all you got to remember. You leave. Yeah. Don't answer it. Just leave. Yeah, just leave. Yeah, throw it on the floor. <laughs> Yeah, you can keep those those dolls, man. That, that's yeah, that's something different. And I tell you what, there used to be a lady in uh in my city, and she passed away a few years ago. But she was real into um to dolls. She actually built it was like a double car garage sized um mm. place next door to her where she made custom dolls. And I, I tell you what, she I she made very um very nice ones, and they were high in demand. And she would do everything from hand. I mean, everything was her own molding, her own, wow. you know, everything. And, and I tell you, they they were actually very nice. And you know, however you wanted them dressed up, you know, she would do them. And mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, yeah, dolls are creeping, you know. But the way she did them, I mean, it was definitely an artwork. And she was a master of her craft. And they were just, just really cool. And people would come from different states and all that to get dolls made by her. But, you know, like I said, she passed away maybe about 10, 15 years ago. There's two dolls. uh, There's two creeps that collect dolls. One, Uh, they're dolls like that, and the other one, they're inflatable. I don't know which of the two is worse. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, but there's an island somewhere, Joe. I don't know if if it's in Mexico. I can't remember exactly where, but there's an island of dolls. Where they're all nailed to the trees and stuff. Yeah, I re- yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, Ooh, was bad. that place freaky, man? Because you know what? I think Josh, uh, Josh Gates is his name. Uh, he went, he, he, you know, over there and checked it out. And just as he's talking, he's pointing to a doll nailed to a tree. The eyes opened. I mean, they they open. He goes, "Whoa, is this freaky or what?" Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm reading it now. It's, it says, uh, "South of Mexico City." That's it. Um, it's known as I. Isla de la Muncica is a, I'm sure I butchered that, but yeah, the Island of the Dolls and they're all just, yeah, there's tons of them everywhere on trees and oh, oh that's weird. Right. Well, that's the one place I would not want to visit. I Could mean, you that imagine camping out there? <laughs> oh, no way, man. That to me at all. I would serious. go there and take the doll and sell them on eBay one by one. Make a fortune. <laughs> Oh, they probably. I tell you what, if you could prove that it came from there, you would probably make some good money because there's people out there that that would probably buy them. But man, these things look. Isn't that a freaky? Isn't that a freaky looking place, Joe? Yeah, I'm looking at the pictures now, mm-hmm. and they're just yeah, they're weird. I mean, like who the heck? <laughs> Another place that always freaked me out is the is the Velisca Axe Murder House. That's in Velisca, Iowa, I believe. And it's a it's a sad story. I mean, like there's a family that went to church with their kids, and there was two girls that slept over that night. Uh, boy, what bad timing! And when yeah. they come home and went to bed, somebody came in there with an axe and killed them all. And that place is supposed to be haunted as hell. I mean, it's supposed to be really, really bad. It's not Michael Myers, was it? No, nah, they don't know who it is to this day. I mean, there was different theories that it, that it was one neighbor and this and that, but they couldn't really prove anything. We need a good place to go hunt uh, Bigfoot and go see Bigfoot. <laughs> I always said, man, if I was out in the, the woods or something with, and a Bigfoot came on me, I'd try to offer him a beer and just hang out with him and, you know, just sit there and have a beer with him. And, you know, he'd be like, hey, you, you know, like that commercial yeah, where. Like a commercial, it's hilarious. He said, hey, you know, he calls him Bigfoot and he goes, oh, my name's Jeff. <laughs> you know, the, 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 big, <laughs> the biggest story. <laughs> The biggest story about Bigfoot, I think it was when I used to work back in the hospital. There was a guy internal audit. Um, he was an you know, older guy in his guy late seventies. And one day, I put out the first uh, Ghost Ship Times back in the day, and uh, I put it out. And there's a story that actually Dave Horace I put together about <laughs> some guy who in northern uh, northern the state of New York up north. Uh, he visited every week a, a family of Bigfoots and whatever, and he had a tin can with some hair in it. I don't know. 
But the funny thing about the story is that I give out the magazine to this guy. And a week later, I was in charge of like the security and stuff. So a week later, he's looking for me. And I said, oh, shit, internal order. What did we do? You know, like, why, <laughs> why does he want to see me so bad? And he sees me. He's running down the hall. He says, Eddie, Eddie, I, I need to talk to you. I said, what's going on? Uh, I'm not going to say his name in case he listens. <laughs> I go, uh, what is it? And he goes to me, no, uh, that story about the Bigfoot? I spent all night on, on the internet looking for something, but I can't find anything. I didn't know how to tell him that it was made up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I thought it was funny because that, that tells you how easy it is to start a legend. And I think one of the best ones is the Mothman. Because yeah. the Mothman, the story is, I think, that there was some... Um, the United States Army or something was having some parachuters and they had night vision glasses. And you know how the glasses glow in the dark when you see right. them? And somebody saw one of the thing, one of the campers, and now suddenly they start this rumor, which goes all around and they've made millions with it. Oh, it, yeah. It's kind of the same thing as the Philadelphia experiment and all that stuff uh, with the time travel. And I think what happened there is um, there's a guy named Carlos Allende, which sounds like a Hispanic guy which some news guy is actually on YouTube. You can see the entire video uh, actually went looking for him and stuff. And what happened was he found out that it was just some little old guy, whatever it was, mm -hmm. that he was a big storyteller. And what he did is he took, I forgot what book about UFOs from the 1950s. And he started scribbling along the sides of the book, different stories. And he mails the book in and the guy from the United States army or air force that got the book was actually the guy in charge of blue book or something. And he was so lucky, was like that. The, and he started the Philadelphia Experiment Legend, yeah. which to this day they've made I think four or five movies based on that subject. Mm -hmm. And then for people out there that don't know, the Philadelphia Experiment is, and I believe there was a ship in Philadelphia or something to Delaware or New York, New Jersey, whatever, where they say that the, the United States was experimenting with invisibility using right. magnetic fields that it disappeared for 30 seconds and came back. And they said that the crew that was on it actually um, was embedded into the steel hull of the ship. Now, the ship yeah. is called the Eldridge, which was a United States battleship, which today in present day was sold, I think, to South Korea or um, the Philippines or something. It's now like a cargo vessel. But it's still in existence. But the original Eldridge, my friend, you get photos of the Eldridge where very few are in existence. And you're going to pay top dollar just because oh, it was yeah. involved in the legend. Let me ask you, Joe, in your investigation, did you ever use like a flare gun? You know, which is that's an acronym. That's an acronym, as, as you know, for forward looking. Infrared. Did you ever use the flare guns and everything and all that stuff? And you know what I use that we use those in the military and all that. And um you could see even with the night vision, you could see you know stuff moving around that at night in the sky that's really mm -hmm. kind of odd. But I mean that that stuff's expensive to get. Even to get a, a cheap pair of night vision that that's decent is very yeah they are they're very expensive. They're a few thousand dollars at least. No, right? no, actually no, actually you know you can get them uh, real night vision glasses. You can get them for about two hundred and seventy bucks. And I got to tell you, Mr. Ewer, uh, well, first of all, my question is, Joe, did you ever use a pair of extra glasses while doing your experiments? <laughs> yeah, I should have. <laughs> okay, okay. That, I just was wondering. But, uh, <laughs> now, now, that would be I, hilarious to film something like that. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Joe with his x-ray glasses. I sent away for one, and it cost me $270. Uh, I forgot what it was. And I wear like uh, eight batteries you have to put in it. And it actually lets you see, you know, the uh, if you go on Amazon, they're not that expensive. The real, you know, night vision. Mm -hmm. uh, this was like a goggle you put over your head, like a hat. Mm -hmm. And um, the other ones like the arm. There's also some that go for 600 bucks. But the thing is when I forgot what it was, but it's dangerous to look through it and not be like in pitch dark. Like if you put it on with lights it, I, I forgot what it was, but I said, oh, I'm playing. I'm not playing around with this. It's kind of like laser. People buy laser don't realize that if you point a laser and you look at it with your eye and it reflects, right. it's going to go blind. Yeah. Yeah, that's the night vision. If you have, if you, if you're standing in a room and somebody turns on the light, yeah, it's going to, it's going to blind you and it's going to burn out the night vision. But just like with anything of technology, you could get a 200 pair 
$200 pair of night vision and, and you're going to get what you pay for. You know, when we, Joe, Joe it was good, that, man. It the was night good. vision that we used, you know, you, I could read a book at night from 20, 30 yards away. That's how, wow. how clear cool. it was. And, wow. you know, when I've, I've seen people that had the two, $300 night vision and they're, you know, if people don't know, you know, the different, different night vision types out there, you would say, oh, yeah, that, that's a great pair, but it's, you know, it, it's like anything, you know, with technology, you'll get what you pay for. Oh, you, oh, so you mean to say that I had to read the book at 20 feet instead of 30 feet away? Come <laughs> yeah, on. I, yeah, I, I mean, two, yeah, if you want to screw around at night and look at the <laughs> sky, yeah, $200 pair of night vision's great, but it's, you know, you, yeah. what like anything, you're going to get what you pay for. No, it was 277 okay, sir? <laughs> <laughs> that's still expensive though that's expensive for me <laughs> no i returned the big house of the unusual money <laughs> well i used the monopoly money i have from the yeah. Toy. but yeah it's cool if if you get a decent pair of night vision and look at the sky at night then you could really see some cool and you'll see stuff moving around and yeah it could be satellites mm -hmm. you know comets whatever but Every once in a while, you'll see some interesting things moving around up there. Okay, so if I get one, I put it on. There's nothing in front of me. I put it on. All of a sudden, I see some beasts cross the street. I should just take them off and run? Yeah, I would. <laughs> okay. I don't know why you would see a beast across the street. <laughs> it, might be, oh, it, it might be one of your neighbors, Eddie. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, running around. We have a, you know, I want to mention something that House of the Unusual has been working on, and I've made I made kind of like stuff, but I think it's almost ready in the next uh, week and a half, two weeks. But I have ready for this coming up the interdimensional glasses. Ooh. Joe dreamed always of seeing, and he always dreamed of having his own X-ray specs. And then when he put them on, he realized that he didn't get to see the stuff he was trying to see, and he was very disappointed when the girls were still wearing their dresses. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Joe, with the interdimensional glasses, you'll be able to see the fourth dimension right before your eyes. I'm still trying to see the third dimension. <laughs> well, you'll be able to see the fourth one, but no. But in, in reality, we actually have, I actually have been working on it. Uh, I'm just finishing the design. I do have the glasses already. I just need the design of the box and stuff. And I guess we're going to be producing that. And Joe, you will be talking about the all new interdimensional glasses. Something never done before. First, cool. by the House of the Unusual. All right. Good. Well, hey, we got about two and a half minutes here, so we're going to wrap it up real quick. And just want to thank you guys for joining us and thank everybody out there in podcast land for joining us. Once again, we do put out a podcast weekly. It'll come out every Thursday night around midnight. Uh, but you could also catch us on our YouTube channel, House of the Unusual. Type that in the search. You'll see it pop up, you know, subscribe to our channel, like our videos, help us out there. We're going to try to get over a thousand subscribers as uh, soon as possible. Hopefully by this summer, you know, we could we'll reach that. Eddie and uh, Chuck are always putting out some great videos, you know, several every week. So, you know, make sure you subscribe on that so you could get notified of when these new videos hit. Also, houseoftheunusual.com. We have a great forum site there that's free to join. Uh, always some great conversation going on, and there are some really cool pictures of, of, you know, items from people's collections on there. So always worth checking out. You know, don't forget to visit our uh, friends also at c-monkeys.com. We have stupidcomicsmagazine.com, uh, 1878press.com, and uh, what else we got out there, well, guys? Well, the other thing is that we don't don't forget. Uh, I haven't been bringing it up yet because it was. I needed to be confirmed. Now apparently, it looks like it's gonna get confirmed. But coming up in a future, it's not gonna. Be, it's gonna be obviously a, a telecast, but it's also gonna be available through our podcast. But we're gonna be interviewing none other than the famous teller from Penn and Teller. All so right. we're gonna. The title of the podcast will be Teller Speaks. Um, that should be coming up pretty soon at the end of February. We don't know the exact date yet. But I think that's a big plus, Joe and Chuck. I mean, it's all courtesy of Chuck, by the way. Uh, Chuck being world famous and renowned, uh, people respond to him, you know, and that's how he gets the fame to us. Oh, uh -huh. hey, I'm just, you know what, I'm looking for. 
is a great guy. He's very intelligent. I mean, man, it would be great to talk to him. Yeah, a, and, you, know um, a, you know, I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, yeah, other than that, the other things that we have uh, coming our way is uh, we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to expand. And uh, it's just, you know, just keep uh, keep listening to us each and every week. And Joe will always be there. We'll never have Joe out. And Chuck, Chuck will be coming up with new devices to scare you. <laughs> and uh, I I will start doing some broadcasts. I know uh, Chuck has been on the YouTube channel. All right, guys, we got three seconds left, so we have to bow well, out. Goodbye. Bye, God everyone. bless, everybody. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for having me. God bless. Bye.